0: Hello and welcome to Country Roads Confidential here at EarSports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaza. It's Friday, y'all. Chris Anderson is carrying the website on his back on the way to Richmond. We haven't done a Q&A podcast in a while. I feel guilty. So I'm here today before I unplug for the weekend. thought I would answer some questions. Here's how we came about this idea. Not because I have so many things to say, or I think you need to hear what I have to say, but since I am gone for the weekend, going to a place with no cell phone and no Wi Fi connectivity, I got ahead of schedule and I knocked out the weekly three things I think, three things I know that pops up on the website on Sunday morning. If you're a VIP subscriber, you certainly know what I'm talking about. If you're not, Well, why? Sign up now. Got a good deal on the website. A lot of content behind the paywall. Not just recruiting for football, but what's going on with basketball, baseball, name, image, and likeness, college football playoff, contracts, scheduling, so on and so forth. No games right now. No practices, no season. But there's a lot happening, and it does happen on the other side of the fence. But anyhow... Pardon my shilling, back to the point. Sunday morning, I unpour things in my head. Things I think, things I know. Can't do it this week. Didn't want to leave the people waiting. Got one done ahead of time. I asked the VIP subscriber message board for suggestions. Or what they were curious, what I thought or knew about something. So I picked out the best six, three things I think, three things I know. It's all done. Ready for Sunday morning. But there were a lot of really good questions and suggestions and topics. And I couldn't get them all in the three things I think and three things I know. And like I said, we hadn't done a Q&A podcast in a while, so I combined the two. Take the overflow from the crowdsourcing I initiated. Knock out a QA and a podcast. Sound good? If you made it this far? Well, there's a little bit longer to go, but thanks, and we'll continue after some brief stuff here. Um, If you didn't hear your question and what follows, congratulations, you made Sunday's edition. One thing I probably do want to overlap on a little bit is the college football playoff. Really thought it was going to be the summer spent talking about the college football playoff. We didn't even have to wait until the summer. We're still early June. And we have a format for 12 teams. Um, I think this is going to happen, guys. I think you have a lot of people who are obsessed with making money. And I have a hard time believing that they're not going to identify the potential to make a lot of money. In addition to what they already make. And then those same people are going to see the huge sums waiting for them. And you're telling me they're going to turn around and walk away to stay with the way things are? No chance. Never thought six or eight teams was going to make it. Didn't think it went far enough. Never thought 16 would make it because I thought it was going too far. Felt like 10 or 12. And I'm a cynic. 10's okay, 12 is better because 12 invites more people. Who would be against four teams? Or six? The people who are in the most advantageous position right now. They got a good thing going. Why would they seed that advantage? They're not going to. Now. If people who have a good thing going can invite more of their constituency into the party, and they can all have a really good thing going, you're likely to see something like that. 12 teams does that. 12 teams adds two more buys, which means perhaps two teams from one conference, or one team from two conferences, don't have to play a game now that they might have to play. In addition, two extra teams are in the field. You hate to be 11 or 12 in a 10-team field, You'd love to be 11 or 12 in a 12-team field, because you're in. And more importantly, top six conference champions in the rankings. And then the top six at-large teams in the rankings. There are no automatic qualifiers. You're going to get at least one group of five team to qualify every year, which may not be enough if you think about it. An 11-to-1 ratio, power five, group of five. It's not particularly equitable. It doesn't expand the access. It gets one team in, but geez, when you're going from four to 12 and you're going from no guaranteed avenue for a group of five to just one, is that enough? But is it even about the group of five voices? Likely not as much as it is about the power five voices. I can just see this as a way to make people more open to the idea. It grants concessions, points, wins, whatever you want to call it, to the folks who might have been opposed to the idea. If you're West Virginia, listen, you just gotta be one of the 12 teams that gets in now. Has West Virginia been close before? Sure. To the top 12? Yeah, a heck of a lot closer than the top four, right? Never been in a top 12, but a reasonable goal for the near future if you're building and building and building man all these investments have to come do at some point you should be near knocking on the door of the top 12 my point is it's a much better goal for a team that is on the outside and then a few steps back from the sidewalk to the door and knock on the door to get in right that's what a program like west virginia is frequently dealing with and that is a little bit easier right now so that's cool it changes your goals you can deal with that aspect and recruiting a little bit better you know you go to a kids living room and he has offered some teams that have been in the playoff or have been close to the playoff or have been conference champions but haven't made the playoff and West Virginia just says can't compete with that you're right. It's gonna be hard to make the final four but you know what you can be part of that process you can bring us to the promised land It takes a lot of conversations like that to go right and to get those kids to sign to make that kind of reality Now you're saying well we can make that top 12. You can make that a reality, so on and so forth. And then, you know, don't forget, like, you don't have to be in the top 12 necessarily. There are going to be conference champions that aren't in the top 12. Now, granted, the Big 12 champion is going to be in the top 12, I would guarantee, annually. But maybe not. Maybe you just kind of win a funky year. Maybe you're 9-3, and three, you win the conference championship game, you're a conference champion and you're in. Would a 10-3, and three, a three-loss season, get you in the Final Four? No. It might not even get you in the top 12 some years, depending on who you lose to and when you lose the games. But you're a conference champion and you win it. Conference championship is easier to win than a national championship. Winning the conference championship now gets you in. And that's cool. I think it's going to happen. I think what you're going to see is close to what you have right now. I am concerned that it's a bit of a red herring. Again, I don't want to repeat too much right now what you're going to read on Sunday. I'm very skeptical. I kind of thought that this was a thing that would kind of take our eyes off of you know, transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, immediate eligibility, some of the dark seedy underbelly that we don't really like to talk about that we spend a lot of time on, especially when there are no games and practices to preoccupy us. College football playoff is a shiny thing. Ooh, look over there. Talk about that, write about that. Don't talk and write about this dark, seedy underbelly. Maybe that's what it is. It does feel like it's going to happen. I'm not sure sooner than later. I don't know how they do this quickly because it looks like it's going to involve bowl games in the tournament, which means you have to restructure your bowl setup, and that kind of takes a long time to do. It might not even happen before the next bowl cycle. I would imagine you're not going to wait until the CFP expires. That seems like it's too far off. Momentum might change. Iron's hot. Strike soon, give people something to look forward to, give ADs and coaches a way to change their scheduling habits, restructure the bowls, make the TV partners happy. It's on the way. Let's get into our questions now. Things I did not mention and three things I think, three things I know, but things that are still important. Where do we begin? Let's start with smack-talking ear. I'm not sure these are questions, but one, wrestling recruitment. Look, going well. Tim Flynn quietly doing his thing. He's filled in gaps. He's got a young roster. Um, Every weight class this year has underclassmen in it who could be back to do their thing one more time and then brought in some pretty good wrestlers in the recruiting class. I think you'll like what you see from the reviews of guys like Jordan Titus, Garrett Lautzenheiser, and Davin Rhodes and those are low weight guys you know you're looking for people that'll grow over time sure but right now maybe 125 133 141 maybe 141 might be a stretch but perhaps they grow into that um, 125 they're set killing card now 133 141 eh, it's not impossible not intimidating they got people who can do that those are guys who can fill in look at those low weights and you know maybe make something happen there I don't see why not. Three good names they like. Also brought in a transfer. Luke Caram. Lehigh. Two years left. Comes on over. Hey, maybe he can help. He's announced it. He says he'll do it. But um, pretty competitive, pretty successful performer at Lehigh. It helps. Again, two years. It's not just a one-year deal, not just a thing that you got to get happening right away. Make sure it works. But organic recruiting, yeah. And the transfer portal, which is kind of what you have to do to be successful in college. There are definitely ways to be good this this coming season because, again, you have so many people back. Again, one returning wrestler at least at every weight class. Will they be there? Who knows? Off-seasons are strange in every sport. It could be good. And kind of a sneaky acquisition... I know I saw this pointed out on the board at one point. I'm going to say it was E-Bear 25. I'm not positive. But uh, new director of operations, Kyle Bratke, he's a Parkersburg native, and he worked on the marketing and development side for Flow Wrestling. Uh, Flow Wrestling is obviously a really big name in the recruiting and, and just the coverage in general of wrestling. And that's somebody who knows a lot of the names and a lot of the players. Events you got to be at, he can get you there. He can get in the door. He knows the coaches. He knows the organizers. So West Virginia will have a seat at the table at a lot of those events. Good relationships. It doesn't hurt. Uh, and imagine that that's a guy from Parkersburg who has spoken very highly of West Virginia and a WVU in his conversation with those mm-hmm. people. Uh, the next question is perhaps the most important from Smack Talk in here. Walk-ons with a chance, a.k.a. the next Barry Moreland. Well, let's... <laughs> There's only one head on that Mount Rushmore, so let's be careful there. Of course, I have some candidates for you, though. My job. Really like Jax McCauley. Tackle machine. Austin, Texas. Two-time Class 6A All-State. Had 176 tackles in 2019 as a senior. Good football down there. I mean, obviously, high school football in Texas is big, but Austin, Texas? Yeah. Went to Vandergrift, kind of a big-time program there. I don't know what's going to happen, but some of these offensive linemen they brought in, listen, they're they're stacked for scholarship offensive linemen. I get that. But, man, Bryce Biggs, I guess, counts, right? But if we're looking for, like, man-myth legend like Barry Moe, kind of hard to miss some of these people, like, Shez Jennings, 6'5", 358, redshirt freshman. Stubaville, Ohio, but by way of the Taft School in Connecticut. Big guy. Possibility. How about Jackson Oxley from Huntington? Cabell Midland, 6'5", 358. Really good player in high school. Mean streak. could play. And then, again, I don't know what's going to happen with those two guys. It's a long way to get in the field here. Never mind get a scholarship because they're so good there, but... What about 6'10", 371, Sean C? Kaiser High School, Kaiser, West Virginia. Put him on the dang punt block shield, or the punt shield, rather. Who's who, who's getting past him? And you know what? Screw it. He's your one-man shield. He's 6'10", 371. He'll just start like octopus guys. He's got two arms and two legs, and he'll start throwing dudes around. Put two other gunners out there. It's 9-on-1 because you got a punter and Sean C is the one-man shield. I do like it. Obviously, you got to give props to Grayson Malashevich. I think he's kind of reached that point where you almost consider him like a scholarship guy because of the many contributions he makes. Small scale but widespread for sure. Like that. Like Colin Paris, kicker punter, highly regarded too. And are we saying that the competition is so fierce that he's not going to get a fair shake? He's a walk-on. Absolutely not
1: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
0: Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game it's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com just a few there important question though glad it was asked moving on another really really important question here T. Grady 58 what do you think about Liverpool finishing not just top four, but third? Yeah, yeah I love it, obviously. Um, it's a weird thing. You know, championships are all or nothing ventures. You don't like to be runner-up. Um, I'm an Indians fan. I've seen some just devastating World Series stuff. I'm not over the one from a couple of years ago. One of the best baseball games I've ever seen. Gut-wrenching, though. Killed me. Still hurts. Hate the Cubs. So Liverpool lifts the trophy last year, English champions, European champions, and then fell off, you know, third place this year. But man, this was almost a more fulfilling, more exciting for sure season for me. Now why is that? Soccer's weird. You know, you get into a bunch of different competitions every year, but if you're not top four, top seven, you're out. And if you're out, you lose a ton of money. Listen, I was disenchanted like everybody else about that Super League they tried to put together. I thought that was going to be the ruin of soccer, and I suspected it wouldn't go as far as it did. Um, So I'm glad that they at least get into the Premier League's top four, which means they get into the Champions League. This is soccer stuff that may be over some people's head or not your taste. I apologize. I'll wrap it up. But finishing third, you're in the top four. You can play in the Champions League. You get a ton of money for that. Liverpool has... um, aggressive, ambitious owners, but also has players that has to sell or resign to make their finances work. You can't do this stuff. You can't stay on top, never mind get on top if you don't play in the Premier League's top four. If you don't play in the Champions League, you're not getting that money. So getting there was really important. Now, they ended up there. But man, they were nowhere close for a long time, and they were dead and buried outside of the top four until their goalie scores on a header in like the 98th minute of a game they could not draw or lose they win they rip off some great soccer at the end of the season it was thrilling it was fun the matches were good they played very well um, they were also just torn and tattered by injury last year and on top of that win in the premier league win of the champions league the year before um, man it's a lot of soccer i don't think people realize you know there's 38 matches in a season but players are playing an in international to qualify for the euros or the world cup um, you have different European and domestic competitions. Y- you can play twice as many matches sometimes when you think about it. And when you're going through the Champions League one year, you're winning the Premier League, running away, but it's interrupted by COVID. Um, boy, that's a lot of soccer. It's a long time. I thought they were worn down. They looked dead. Their, their calling card is passing and speed and precision and striking. And just didn't have that Looked flat. And I don't think that was an accumulation of just a whole bunch of soccer fit into two years. And also, this terrible injury luck on the back line. Their defense is dreadful, but their offense wasn't good enough to make up for it. They tumbled, but they rallied. And again, the way they won it, coming back, rallying, having a goalie score a goal, again, that, that was as much fun, more fun to me than you know winning the Premier League in a weird season where it was anticlimactic and it was interrupted and, and even winning the Champions League the year before. I thought this was like fulfilling on a different level there and soccer rant moving on wicked jester who's trying to get me in trouble you already talked about this sort of but if you were put in charge of wu men's basketball today what would you do specifically to get more attention like the football team is doing hire someone to take over social media graphic designer etc well let me say this i don't i don't mean to bury them I, i think my point was that back in when i made this point i think two weeks ago in my three things was that I was just struck by the difference between football and basketball and how their staffs operate social media. I, I hope I didn't say that one was right and one was wrong. I think the implication is probably understandable that football is doing something better and therefore right, and basketball is guilty of the opposite. Look, different strokes, different folks. Bob Huggins and Neil Brown probably couldn't be more different when it comes to this. I also think that the players you're dealing with are very different, too. Football players are plugged into their social media they just are our basketball players i think so but one they're way outnumbered way outnumbered by football recruits and then those football recruits are competitive they may not know it but they're competing with one another on twitter and instagram and it just brings that up to another level quicker than it does on basketball um, and just recruiting in basketball is very different it's more intimate it's not as covered or as proliferated as basketball as football recruiting is so it's just different it's a it's a different fire a different temperature and it's fed in very different ways so to the point though to the question if i was in charge of the social media for basketball what would be my first thing well one my first thing would be i resign and hire someone who knew what they were doing and who liked twitter and who liked the graphics and social media but yeah man i would certainly try to emulate what football is doing because i think what football is doing is work but also it gives the university or the athletic department you know kind of a consistent branding that's important too you know i want to know maybe where coaches are recruiting where they're speaking where they're traveling you know i want to know what players are doing are they in summer leagues are they um doing well in the classroom are they working out are new guys on campus Just, i want to know about it like the off season, there's there's no off season now there's no games and we say it's about stuff we cover there's no games and practices but there's still stuff that's happening and i'd like to know about that um Is that the best answer? Nope. Cause I don't think they're doing a bad job. Like I really, really like what Sarah Raymond does. I hope I said her name right. Cause I said, I liked her work and I don't know if I had to pronounce her name right. My apologies, but I think she does really cool stuff and she has in the off season before. If you remember a couple years ago, she had a little mixtape she put together with music and highlights and that was entertaining. It felt like you got to know the players a little bit. The capacity is there for sure. Um, but again, what does Huggins want? What do the players want to do? Who's around? Who's available? Um, it's very tricky, it's very particular. So to answer your question, yeah, I would put someone in charge of my social media, my, my team marketing. It might be somebody who already does digital stuff, but listen, put that person in charge. The person who has their hands on the product or has access to the product the most, that's probably someone good to put in charge. And then use your digital means, your graphics, your videos, your photos to inform and to entertain and to make people you know cross that bridge with you from the end of the NCAA tournament to that first press conference that Huggins has in the fall. Don't let that be a gap in between. Make it enjoyable with stuff that you can pepper them with. Um, little things, big things, short stories, long stories, whatever media, whatever length, whatever device you want to use, that's fine. You know, Try it out, figure out what works. But um, I think some type of a recognizable factor is good, though, because what you see that works with football can work for basketball, can work for baseball, can work for gymnastics. Everybody should be borrowing ideas, sharing ideas. Um, it's good to be unique, too, but I think consistent delivery is good as well. Timbo, wbu 76 how successful in dollar terms has the new Time to Climb campaign been so far? Are we making progress in the number of participating alumni when compared to Big 12 schools? Listen, this is a tough one because the numbers aren't going to be out there. What we do know is that in 33 states, they have added 770 total donors and 560 new donors. 33 out of 50 states. That's pretty good. And when you look at the map, it's most of the east and then a lot of the southwest and then up the coast on the west. Even got folks in Alaska opening their wallets. That's good. No idea what the money is. Does that mean that all those people have given just $21 a month? Does it mean they give more or less? I don't know. I would say, though, that they are probably close to or exactly where they were before. What I mean by that, obviously the the finances have changed, but they were dead last in the number of living alumni. Um, They had a graduating class. It did not close the gap of 55,000. That was between them and Kansas. Okay? Um, Actually, they were not last then. I'm sorry. I'm looking alphabetically here. But, the only Big 12 schools with fewer living alumni. Baylor, 150. Kansas State, 195, TCU, 90,700. So, pretty much everybody in the Big 12, I think what we're going to say, what, six more schools had more. So, did they move up? Sure. Did they close the gap? Are they top third, top half? No, probably not. What's more important, though, is the Big 12's annual scholarship fund, the dollars raised. Now, this one is not alphabetical. They were ninth out of 10, Eighth out of 10. Better than TCU and Iowa State, worse than everybody else. How do you raise that number? And that's that's not the the end-all, be-all comparison. It's the one they provide for you. Um, but if you're 8 out of 10 there, you're probably 8 out of 10 or worse than other matters too. So long-term, the plan for time to climb is to get people involved and then to increase their involvement. So get them in at an entry-level price, like $21 a month. Now they're connected, they're part of it, they feel like they're involved, they're making something happen, and then they get all the little accessories and all the little trinkets that come with your membership, whatever that may be, you know what, I'm going to up my investment, you know I'm going to make a special donation to this sport, to this coach, to this program, whatever, and if you get 760 people, 560 people, all to invest a little bit more, or more often, or to involve more people like themselves, so that number goes higher, and also the the donations go higher, so on and so forth. Then you've done something. Um, The answer right now is don't know, but I don't think they want to have an answer right now to that. I would imagine they're doing a little bit better financially than they were last year for sure. And they should be doing better than they were the prior few years because they've done something progressive. But five years down the road, three years down the road, have those numbers grown, but also has the investment, the participation from the current number, has that expanded to where you hooked them, you reeled them in, and they didn't jump back in the water. They said, hey, you know what? I'm on shore. I'm on board. I'm with you. Let me give more. Let me bring in more people to help you. Let me help make this thing possible. Then you've done something there. Moving on. Seneca Creek. If you could add one men's team and one women's team, what do you think you would add? Listen, I'm going to take the easy way out here. Uh, Men's track and field would come back. Women's softball would be here. Um, Men's track and field would be a really big thing. Um, I think for football, also because i think that you could find people who could win you could find people who could represent you could find people who could bring people to that stadium that they built out there it's just a good thing to do it's good for athletes there's a lot of people in the region who could participate in it you could find a good coach you could find student athletes you can make it work it worked before there's a great tradition there i think you can make it work and you have the facility now it's it's something you could make softball will be my other one for the women Similar thing, you know, it's not coming back, but, you know, they'd have to find a field and all that stuff. It's not impossible. It's not like like you can't build a softball field or find a place to play. And you can find players. Those are my easy answers. Now I can't let myself off the hook. Went a little deeper. Got that great aquatic center. Why can't we have water polo? You ever watch water polo? I love it. I think it's great. You got great soccer teams here. You got good swimming and diving. Let's put it all together. Give me water polo. Men's and women's. I I would go watch it. I might adopt kids because I want them to play on the water polo team in West Virginia. Because I want to cover it. I always watch that when it's on TV, whether it's, you know, some championship event or if it's the Olympics or whatever. It entertains me. And I think it's underrated as far as, like, what it takes to play that sport. I'd be okay with that. So, easy answer, hard answer there. Continuing. These are good questions, by the way. Um, we got a little bit into a mess with men's tennis and women's tennis and the courts and all that. It's tricky. It was hairy. Um, that's quite a story. It's another, a story for another day. But, yeah, there's something very strange about tennis and the courts and all that and their transition to the Big 12. Uh, but, again, another story for another day. Dirty Frank, WBU. Hey, Mike, do you think or know anything about football injuries from the spring? Specifically, I wondered if redacted is still redacted. Um I don't want to duck this question, and I know you asked it, and it deserves an answer. I know some of the things because I was told, but I was also told on the premise of you can't say anything. I don't think there's any bad news. There's just stuff that you know takes time, and the time is not up, but the time doesn't have to be up yet. So I don't think there's anything quite like a Taj Alston Achilles, I believe it was. That's surprising anybody out there. We had some people that were nicked or dinged during the spring. Um, I think we all know who, but... I haven't seen anything that would act make me think that there are new people. And again, I was, I was told, so under the premise of please don't tell anybody this, which is really unfair but really shrewd, too. I should probably stop hanging around. But I don't think there's anything major to get into there. 2146 Ear. Now that the cat is out of the bag with the portal, what do you think the next step is going to be in the evolution of recruiting? Uh, Georgia won May recruiting, but didn't do too bad in December or February either. At some point, kids have to be happy with second string or the system just won't work. You only have 44-plus special teams on a two-deep. That leaves 41 kids who aren't sniffing the field and looking around for next season. Something has to give. What do you think it is? I got excited because I wanted to see if anybody wanted to talk about NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Um, I think that's going to be a big deal when it comes to the NIL stuff. Because, again, kids are digital. NFTs are unique and are a heck of a way to market a person and to make some money. Um, but that's not what this question is about, so I'm not gonna talk about that. What's the wave that's coming here? Because I think what you mean is oh, the transfer portal is so big, it almost dilutes or, or, or dwindles a little bit of the significance of February and December recruiting. I get that, I think that's gonna be a thing. I think you're gonna see December thin a little bit and perhaps even February as well because you could add six to eight players in the transfer portal. Uh, players that you had connections with, you Know one, two, three, four years prior in recruiting players who want to jump up from the FCS or the group of five to the FBS or to the group of five or power five. Um, I really think you're going to see the FCS players come up to the FBS level. Uh, obviously, group of five to power five is a big deal, power five to power five is a big deal. It just seems like that transfer portal you're getting seasoned players, uh, you're getting um, experienced players, you're getting physically mature players. It just makes sense. So, why would you sign? A class of 25 where, who knows, you know, 2025 could be high school kids who just don't have those physical, mental, um, competitive strengths, advantages built in. That just seems inevitable to me, too. So, yeah, your point about Georgia did okay December, February, it's Georgia, it's the SEC, of course. They won May. That is critical. That's going to be the thing now. It's almost like a third signing period now. It really is. I shouldn't even say almost, it really is. Like if you can win the transfer portal season, never mind win. Get some wins in the transfer portal season. You're gonna be good. What has to give? I don't think that we're anywhere near this reversing. I think it's going to widen and deepen and you might say worsen. Look, these trends are what they are. Everything that you worry about is legitimate. It really is. You might consolidate power in the top teams, it might hurt group of five teams or lower tier power five teams. Um there already is separation that could that could that could widen for sure. I think what has to happen that twenty five cap annually has to go away. There there are proposals out there, and some of you have spelled these out in the board that are good ideas that I think need to be discussed. Um, I, I just don't know how you can make a living doing twenty five a year when you're losing so many players out of the portal. If you can only add so many, if you're if you're West Virginia and you have, you know, six scholarships you want to add in the portal, but after you sign a class in december and february you lose 12 guys. Well, that doesn't work, right? How are you going to ever get to 85 or near 85 or be competitive? And how are you going to hang around on the field like Texas with teams like Texas or Oklahoma or Alabama or Georgia who don't have a problem getting near that number or if they have 70, their 70s really good because they're recruiting at a high level and they're pulling in the top transfers too. So I don't know what gives there. I think what you worry about is is what's going to be the, the capital H-T, or excuse me, capital T thing for a while. Moving on, just a few more left here. Let me see if I can find the one. Oh, great, here we go. Um, at May 25, you were three things two weeks ago where you talked about bocce ball. It gave me some big nostalgia to my neighbor's yearly cookout back in the day where my buddy zinged a bocce ball so far. He threw it into the neighborhood pond. And spent the rest of the party dying the gross pond trying to find it. You've got any more? Hey, I like bocce ball memorial type thoughts in the next three things. I'd love to hear them. Kind of went over a bunch in there. Bocce ball's the best. I'm Not gonna argue that. It just is. You don't. You, it's it's unique. Fields like golf courses. You know, whatever backyard you're at, whatever campground you're at, whatever party cookout, quinceañera that you're at. If they got a flat, an undulating space, doesn't matter. Lawn, hillside, dirt patch, whatever, doesn't matter. Play it on the beach, doesn't matter. Have ball, will travel. Love it. Miss Horseshoes. Not a fan of can Jam. Someone remind me of Ultimate Frisbee. You can set that up and have a really good time. Um, I'm obviously very partial to Wiffle Ball. Where I'm going this weekend, Big Field, Home Run Derby. I'm going to be working on my spin rate. But how about badminton? Got left out of this conversation. Oh, I love badminton. So good. Uh, I'm not a good ping pong player. But I felt like I would... I mean, if I put time into it, I might have medaled in badminton. Like Olympic medal. Not like world championship or like state championship. I would have been very good at it. Cat-like. good. with my left hand. Power serve. Um, And I was always like crafty where I'd look one way and Go the other. I'd wind up for the power shot, and then I just dink it over the net. It, it's it's it was a commitment for sure. I would have to make, but I think if I dedicated myself from like the age of eight, I had Olympic aspirations for sure. Had just enough of a flat spot in my backyard. Mom and dad were helpful, raised me, playing baseball, basketball, football, things like that. But when uh when it came time to settle some differences, badminton out back. Smacking the shuttlecock around. Important. Uh, Sidebar. One of my low moments from teaching. um, I had a student who actually works professionally now and covers... um, I'm not sure where this person works anymore. I don't want to out the person for the coverage, but covers sports. Let's say that. um, I was going to spell out specifically, and that might have narrowed it down because this person may listen. (laughs) Wrote a really good story on badminton. B-A-D space... M-I-T-T-E-N. Again, one of my low moments of teaching. And that's it, guys. And girls, whoever's listening, thank you. Um, Great questions, as always. And if you didn't hear yours, check us out Sunday. Three things I think, three things I know. And if you're not VIP and don't have access, hey, that's okay. But not in perpetuity. we got to get you with the good guys on the other side of the fence. Until next time, I am Mike Casaza. I'll talk to you later.